KKR, Decatur, Dallas, Fort Worth, and KYJC, Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, are you missing out on artificial intelligence stocks? Today, we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. Welcome to the Prudent Money Radio Show. I'm your host, Bob Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, if you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com. There's a couple of ways to get information and a couple of uh, different resources that we have put together. The first one is just the email, the Ask Bob. We've been doing that for decades. And uh, that's a way for you to send a question in via email. And uh, I see all those emails and answer them myself. And I can get you information that way. That's an easy way to get information. Now, sometimes the topic is a little bit more detailed. Some A lot of questions need to be asked. So uh, we set up a calendar. You can pick a time, and we will schedule a conference call and take care of your question that way. And if there's no cost or obligation to that, that's just one way that we're trying to put to push out information and resources to get you taken care of and uh, to be a resource for you. You know, I think that's one of the biggest problems today, and we talk about this a lot on the program, is that there's just not very many places to go get to get answers. And uh, if we can do that, we certainly want to do that, all at uh, prudentmoney.com. Let's talk a little bit about artificial intelligence stocks. It's all the rage. And, you know, you can't go to a Yahoo financial page, a CNBC.com, without there being an article telling you what stocks to invest in, where you should be putting your money into. And it's creating a lot of hype. And when when you start creating a lot of hype, you start to create what's called an investment bubble. Now, an investment bubble occurs when investors as a whole think that they can get rich by investing into a certain particular type of stock, a a certain industry. We've we've seen that definitely with the technology boom, which we're going to come back and talk a little bit about, that happened in the the late 90s, and then, of course, was followed by the technology bear market, which was 2000 and 2002. But it is one of those things where it's greed just takes over. And everybody's making money, and it's a sure, it's a slam dunk. You know, if you start to think about it, that's, it, it shows, uh, it goes with some of the signs of the real estate markets that we've had in the past couple of years. And uh, questioning whether that was a bubble or not. Of course, that's a different, a little bit different situation because of supply and demand and that kind of thing. But uh, still, there's a that what you're looking for is that mania, and is that mania that uh, we're all going to get rich. Uh, one of the oddest investment bubbles throughout history has to be the tulip bubble. I guess that's what they officially call. It. But it was an investment bubble, and people were buying tulips. I think this was, this was back in the mid-1800s. 
thinking that they were going to get rich. And uh, the but there's one thing that continues to happen historically to investment bubbles is that the value ultimately collapses and leaving the investor without any money. Of course, that's the extreme case, but just just uh, a situation where the in the investment the stocks collapse over time and people lose a lot of money and uh, you saw that in 1929 the stock collapse that went from 1929 it was the very top of the the uh, bull market of the 20s and you know what's interesting if you if if you're a history buff I would suggest only if you'd be interested in doing so is going back and reading some of the accounts of the time of the roaring 20s. And of course, most of your industry back in the 20s was uh, farming and, and land and that kind of thing. So you had farmers, just as an example, throwing all their life savings into the stock market. Of course, the stock market went crazy and it was looked at as the it's, stocks are going to make me rich. And, of course, if you saw the, the market go up as much as it did during the 20s up until 1929, no question you would that uh, you would doubt that that was true because people were making tons of money. In fact, they were making so much money that they took advantage of a, 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 a way of leveraging your stock portfolios by borrowing against your accounts. So not only do they have, let's say, 50000 $25,000. Think back 1929. That was a lot of money back then. A whole lot of money. They had money borrowed against that money on the basis of the belief that that stock, those stocks, those stocks would never go down in value. Because if they do go down in value, the person borrowing against the stock account is going to be in serious trouble. And that's what happened. Of course, different different day, different time, uh, motion uh, greed all the same, but you didn't have 24-hour news cycle, you didn't have the internet. So what basically what would happen is that the, the brokerage companies would sell the stock a, as it became virtually worthless to do whatever they could to, uh, to, uh, for the stock not to come back on the bank or the, the brokerage company. So they would sell all this stock, and uh, the investor doesn't really know what's going on. There's, it's not like they can pick up and contact easily contact their broker or go online and see their, their account on, online. And they basically lost all of their money as the stock market collapsed. The stock market from 1929 to uh, 1929 to 1932 lost 86%. Can you imagine losing 86%? That was an investment bubble that definitely went bad. And of course, that ushered in the Great Depression, and you know how all that turned out. Then there was the technology bubble of the late 19, uh, 1990s, and that as well was supposed to make everybody uh, stinking rich. And, you know, I remember during that time, and I was, I'd been about the time the technology bubble had hit, 
I'd been in the business about seven years. And, uh, you know, everybody wanted, everybody wanted tech stocks. They wanted to jump on the internet, uh, the internet boom and take advantage of what the internet brought to the table. And I, this kind of sounds a little bit familiar because artificial intelligence, can you imagine when that's fully developed and the companies that are going to come out of that and the technologies that are going to come out of that, it's, it, you can't even really get your mind wrapped around that. Well, same thing was happening with the internet, and I remember going to an and to a company investment meeting where this internet company was going to be pitching their their idea of the company that they're going to that they're building, and so to collect investment dollars into their project. I, I'll never forget this. Went to this this uh, this uh, meeting. And the people who were the the people who were talking about the company had nothing but this is what we think we're going to do. This is they hadn't even formed a well they formed a company that's that's not fair. They had formed a company, but they didn't have one revenue, one loss, nothing. It was just an idea. And what amazed me was that people were just throwing money at this. And this was the thing is that uh, when greed takes over and something to do without question to guard yourself from, which is greed, when greed takes over, then the, the rational thinking is just not happening. And so these, these investors, sight unseen, no revenues, no profits, barely companies barely off the ground, was just throwing tons of money people were, were writing over uh, uh investment checks just right and left uh, that will, i'll never forget that because that always uh, as you look at that you go wow that's that is uh something else then there were the super bowl ads of 1999 and uh, the one that comes to me is that was the uh the hand puppet the black hand puppet stocking that was uh, promoting pets.com and this was a big deal because this was a site that sold and delivered retail pet supplies now I'm not sure if if they really I think they did kind of start that but they along with many other companies that had Super Bowl ads in 1999 a year later, we're bankrupt and out of business. Just grasp that for a second. One minute you're spending a million dollars every second or whatever it costs to get a, I'm just exaggerating, uh, whatever it costs to to uh, run a, uh, a Super Bowl ad, to the next year, you're absolutely bankrupt. And I want to say it again, investment bubbles, historically end very, very badly. So we're seeing this artificial intelligence uh, mania start to develop. And, And I'm also starting to see people get kind of sucked into it. Now, there's some differences between this mania, which we'll talk about on the other side of the break, that you got to factor in and consider but still it is easily without question 
forming the uh, the whole idea, turning into the whole idea of a mania, as people are starting to say, hey, you know, I need to be invested in this and uh, take advantage of these technologies. Don't want to miss the boat this time. This is Bob Brooks. Uh, we're up against a break. Stick around. I'll be right back. Dynamic, practical, life-changing. There's no point in going to church and not letting the Christ who gave birth to the church on the day of Pentecost change your life. Join us each day as Pastor Paul Shepard applies the timeless truth of Scripture to everyday life. It's Destined for Victory on this great station. Weekday afternoons at 3.30 here on Bible School Radio, KDKR. This week on Truth For Life, Alistair Begg teaches us how God's Word is purposeful, why it's completely trustworthy, and then we'll find out why every single person in the entire world needs to hear the gospel. Join us on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Enjoy KDKR wherever you go on all your devices with the free Live 365 app. Just download Live 365 from your app store and search for KDKR Bible School Radio. Welcome back. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. A couple of ways to get your questions answered. You can go to prudentmoney.com, and there is a Ask Bob site, and you can send me an email. I will get back with you and answer that email question for you. If it's a little bit more involved, then we can online there. You can schedule a time and it will alert my office and we'll call and set up a phone call and uh, no cost, no obligation and get your, yeah, that that's for a little bit more complex situations. Have a lot of people who've done that and it's great to, to get to talk to you and if I can, then it's even better if I can help. So uh, always know that that's there for you at the website prudentmoney.com talking about artificial intelligence stocks and uh, it just it dawned on me yesterday when I was talking to somebody and they they had uh, told me that they that they went out and they bought seven stocks and I Google Apple and somebody else and that some other the now called quote unquote artificial intelligence stocks and I thought to myself how much of this is really taking place you know, if you look at if you look at Apple stock, and I'll I'll never forget this. I think it was 2000. There was a question, or the late 90s. There was a question as to whether or not Apple computer was going to be around the next day. They were in severe financial straits. Get this. During the tech bust, Apple was at the top of the tech. Uh, the, the uh, at the top of the uh, technology mania bu- investment bubble, tech bubble. Apple stock was was uh, at the very height of their was at the very height of their um, I think it was like 78 cents a, a share was the share price. During that tech bust, they dropped 64 percent to 28 cents. Now the rest is history. Of course, they took off. Now they're one of the the biggest and the best in the technology space. But Citigroup offers probably one of the more solid examples of a company 
the Wall Street loved, but it was a disaster as far as the stock price goes. So let's go back to 1977. Citigroup came out was uh, was on was a went public. There there we go. Went public. I think it's 1977. A little over seven dollars a share. That stock took off, and at the top of the tech bubble. Now, obviously, Citigroup's not a tech a tech firm, but they were a a beloved stock that everybody rushed into. From seven dollars in 1977, they went up to 296 dollars a share. Two thousand two hundred and ninety-six dollars and twenty-five cents a share, down to two thousand and nine, sixteen dollars, almost seventeen dollars a share, from two hundred and ninety-six dollars a share down to seventeen. We'll call it seventeen dollars a share. And and I remember a, a couple of situations with this stock. It stick out with me is that as the the stock was taking this tremendous hit and decline people were buying more of it because all the analysts were saying well Citigroup can't drop this much this is this is as much as they're going to drop and they would continue on and recommend that people buy it it's just a selling it's a buying point and all it did was continue to drop continue to drop and of course the the uh, bear market uh, uh, in the financial crisis was a big contributor to this huge drop. Down to 2009, $17 a share. Now, what was interesting is that, and I've told this story before, but I, 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 this is one of those stories that, I, that uh, just, I think really tells you what goes on in Wall Street. Citigroup, like a lot of big banks, had, if you'll recall, the real estate bust that occurred, had a lot of these these toxic loans that were just worth nothing. So they had all these assets on their balance sheet or of a part of their company that if they cashed it out, they would have to declare the loss. It would bankrupt any company. And Citigroup was actually, in the early 2009, was was close to being bankrupt. And then Congress changes the accounting principles, which allowed Citigroup and other banks to basically put a value on what they think these worthless stocks, these worthless uh, assets were were uh, worth. And so maybe, a, say, take a, a, a batch of loans were worth 10 cents on the dollar and uh, Citigroup says, no, I think they're, they're, they're uh, worth a thousand dollars. And then they change that on their books. And now all of a sudden they release their earnings statement and uh, they're showing a profit. So how does a company go from being almost bankrupt to showing a profit within the uh, balance of, uh, 30 days just leave it up to the politicians they can figure it out but uh, you know I, I often wonder as a side note having covered the financial crisis very closely on the radio show what would have happened if the government would not have intervened in such an aggressive manner 
would we be better off? Because all it's done is created more and more and more of it. And I don't think that we're benefiting from it. And unfortunately, I think we're we're going to be in a situation where we probably wish they would have pulled back on all of the uh, all of the intervention that, that they did pour into the markets and to the economy. That's neither here nor there. But this is I, I go back. Let me circle back around to where I was going with all that before I took some side roads. Is that it's easy for a mania to start. It's easy for people to get caught up into buying a stock and to take that stock very, very, very high. And it's also just as historically accurate to, to uh, history backs this up that manias and bubbles do not end well. Now, having said that, what are the chances of a Google or an Apple going out of business or taking a 70, 80% stock hit. I mean, anything's possible. It doesn't seem to be that possible, but, uh, you know, anything's possible. And uh, can't tell you why or when the bubble is going to get to the height or whether it will bust or what what, will actually end up happening with artificial intelligence stocks. I will say this. If you took 100 of them today, I don't even know how many there are. Let's just say there's 100 of them. I would suggest there's a good possibility that a, a high percentage of those stocks won't be around in the future. Because, you know, there these new technologies is kind of boom or bust. But there will be the, the new Apple. There probably will be the new Google, which I think is one of the big motivators behind throwing a lot of money behind it. So just make sure you don't get carried away. That's the bottom line. And if, if anything at all, I would say we're probably at the at the early stages of a bubble. By no means are we fully invested into a big bubble. It'll be interesting to see how this, this turns out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it won't uh, go, go that route. And it will just be uh, about investing in technology stocks, and that is it. We will see. Had a question that came in, and uh, we uh, I'll, I'll uh, cover this here in the last two or three minutes. May circle back around next week and talk a little bit about it. But the question is, when do you know if you need a trust or a will drawn up? In in any estate plan, and I and maybe we'll kind of talk about this and kind of park on this and come back to it next week. The goal is to a take care of and protect your family in the event of a death, and the second, to make sure that the assets that you own transfer to future generations. That is the goal. Sometimes you need a trust to offer some protections that uh, a will does not offer. Sometimes you just need a will. You don't always need a trust. And the problem is, is when you go to an attorney that may not be looking out for your best interest and they, they tell you, you know, you really need a trust when you probably don't need one. Obviously, just by the name trust, you can imagine it, that, that a trust costs more money to implement and to get set up. So you got to be careful with that and you got to know what, you know, if I, if I have 10 assets in front of me, how are those assets going to be trans, transferred 
to the future generation, probably your kids. And then what what are what do I need to do, if any, if anything, to protect my kids from the the situation and the emotion that goes along with receiving a lot of money? And you might be thinking, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not worth a lot of money. Add up your life insurance. Add up your home. Any any equity you've got in your home, cars, uh, IRAs, 401ks. And you might be surprised at what you find that you're going to be leaving behind. It ends up adding up to a lot of money, and you want to make sure that you do it right. I'll say as a side note, uh, as a preview to next week, when we go back and revisit this, is that if you've got young kids, and, and when I say young kids all the way up to young adults, you definitely want to consider a trust and so you can put some provisions in there to protect them from themselves. And so we'll be talking about that. Because uh, I think it's one thing that people really put on the back burner and, and, and don't address. And it could be one of the more important financial aspects of your life that you do address and make sure that you are protecting your family at all costs. And it just uh, the, the good the good news is it doesn't take a whole lot of, of uh, time and effort to go through the process. Hey, this is Bob Brooks. If you got a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time. Keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money.